for our meditation this morning. Will you please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, chapter 13, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and my text is taken from verse 13 this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. For those who are visiting with us, our communion service is the communion service. We don't have it tacked on at the end. The entire service revolves around that, so things are a little bit different on Communion Sunday. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Paul writes, I'm using the New American Standard, and he writes these words. Now, faith, hope, love abide, these three but the greatest of these is love. J.B. Phillips, in the translation of this, says, in this life there are three lasting qualities. There's faith, there's hope, there's love. But the greatest of these is love. Our Father, give us understanding to your word Peter was able to say something that was true, but it was because it was revealed to him. May we say what is true this morning because of the Spirit's ministry. Lift our, our drooping hands, our troubled hearts to the very God who loved us in this way we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Some weeks or months ago, a very controversial book was written called Love Wins, written by a fellow by the name of um, Rob Bell. I haven't read the book. I've read excerpts from the book, and I've read reports on the book, but I have never read the book for the simple reason I don't agree with what Mr. Bob, um, Bob Bell has in this book. Um, I know a little. I know quite a bit about the man, and the book made a big spill in a lot of um, areas of the community. In fact, Bob um, Bell was a pastor of a huge, huge church in Michigan, and after this book, he left the ministry, and he's living in California now and uh, meeting with people like Oprah and so on, which tells you a little bit of what it is. Uh, he says from this text, love wins. And what he's saying is that at the end, everything is going to turn out okay because God is love, so nobody will go to hell. Nobody will be condemned. Love will win out. Well, is this what Paul meant when he said, in this life there are three lasting qualities, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. What does he mean when he's telling this to us this morning for the next few minutes I'd like to break down to unpack this this verse and see how it relates to us this morning and to the days ahead as we face a world that is falling apart now Paul uses two words that are very important in this text the first of these is the word now now 
that word is saying, is bringing not only to a conclusion, but he's making a statement about what is to follow. Now abides faith and hope and love. The next word that he uses is the word abide, or abideth, as the King James translation puts it. And we need to understand what, what do these words mean. For many, many years I taught this book and taught this text and thought that faith, love, faith, hope, and love abides now, and then later on when we die, then love will continue. That is true. But as I studied this text this past week, it was revealed again and again that the word abideth means to continue. Faith and hope and love abideth, will continue. Do I need faith when I get to heaven? Do I need hope when I get to heaven? I know I need love. But what about the others? And this is where the text became an exciting experience for me as I studied the text more deeply this past week and not take for granted as many theologians do that it is saying, now abide at faith, hope, and love in this life. But the greatest of these is love in this life. Well, let's see if we can unpack it. I want you to consider with me for a few minutes what I call the essentials of faith. The essentials of faith. Why faith is essential. Faith is essential because it establishes relationship with God. Faith establishes relationship with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Now being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified by faith. To be justified means that we have been set free. We have been given a sentence of not guilty, removing the guilt, the charge that was set against us as far as God is concerned. And peace means now where there was war between me and God, this no longer is so. Faith in what Jesus Christ does remove the wrath of God from my life so that I am now adopted into the family of God and it establishes a relationship. I become a part of the family of God. I become related to God. God becomes not only my creator but my redeemer. And I'm able to relate to him if you please as what the New Testament calls Abba. That Aramaic word for daddy. I have a relationship with God that God has actually set in motion. He did all the work that was necessary for that relationship and he says, believe it. And so, having believed now, I am a child of God here. But if faith abides beyond time, how will faith be active in heaven? Have you ever thought, my friends, 
that when you and I die, or when Christ comes at the rapture, we do not become gods. We are still who we are. And the beauty of faith beyond time is this. In heaven, faith will not look back to something that was done. Faith will look forward in heaven, experiencing and anticipating all of eternity's value. We read from from Ephesians 1 this morning that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Those are the things that faith will anticipate in glory. Those are the things that, that will give faith not only substance, but faith and love will work together because faith will long for what has been promised and hope will anticipate it. One of the old scholars, Graham Scoggie, said this, As long as God is God and man is man, faith will abide. As long as God is God and man is man, faith will abide. So in heaven, here on earth, Faith looks back to something that was done. The cross. We did it this morning. In heaven, the blessings that God has prepared before time for us, faith will long for that. In that that heavenly sphere, there will be the anticipation, there will be the thirst for God's eternal provisions that faith will behold and faith will long for. So it establishes a relationship with God and it continues in heaven because without faith, we cannot please God. Secondly, faith educates our reason about God. Faith educates our reason about God. Now faith, says the writer to the Hebrews, faith is the uh, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, that is faith, the people of old received their commendation. Verse 3, Hebrews 11, 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. As Lois and I were making our way here this morning, we're listening to Rabbi Zacharias and, and... uh, he was expounding on creation and reason. And I thought, huh, you would have think that either he copied me or I copied him. Because faith, my friends, is not opposed to reason. Faith is the highest form of reason. Faith doesn't, is not, is not, I believe it, even though I know it can't happen. Uh, Sometimes even Christians will say this. We've got to be real, you know. Uh, uh, Faith is okay for children, but we we have to live in a real world. My friends, faith connects us to a real world. By faith, our reason, by faith, our reason is given 
the ability to see beyond the senses. There are things, I, I, I have a note, it's here, but Bertrand Russell, the great atheist of England, once said, he said this, whatever is knowable or is attainable must be known or attained by scientific methods. And what science cannot discover, mankind cannot know. What science cannot discover, mankind cannot know. Oh, my friends. Can science tell us what love is like? Can science explain to us why a baby cries? <laughs> science can tell us how the world was made in the sense that they're able to say at, at certain times certain things happen. The Big Bang. <laughs> and every time I think of the Big Bang, I like to ask myself the question, who made the bang? So Sir Peter Medwar answered, the excellence of a limit to science is, however, made clear by its inability to answer childlike elementary questions having to do with the first and last things. Questions such as, how did everything begin? What are we here for? What is the point of living? Can science answer those questions? No. Science can tell us what, what we need, what we want. Science can, can give us some information about the world in which we live. Science can say to us, this is a cake. And the ingredients for this cake are the following. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm on a special diet right now, um, and I am eating things I didn't know exist. And, and I need my wife more than ever because she fixes all this stuff for me. I could never fix them. And, and so I'm upstairs studying or downstairs watching a piece of a game until supper. And then Lois calls and says, supper is ready. And I look at that stuff. And I say, am I to eat this? The lady at the, the club put me into a, um, a container. That's what I can say. <laughs> and she closes the door. And I thought, oh boy, what am I in for? So she closes the door and then I hear... Then she opens the door for 40 seconds and she closes it again and does the same thing. She does it three times. And then I get out of that box, that thing. Looks like I'm flying into space. And she says, at the end of six weeks, this machine will be able to tell you how much fat you have lost and a few other things. And I thought, that's, that's, not, that's not a beautiful machine. 
it looked inside of me and dealt with, with the fat inside. She said, don't worry about the fat outside. <laughs> because this machine is, is, is going to look inside of you and it's going to go through certain things. And then at the end of six weeks, it will tell you whether you have gained any weight or lost any weight. But the key is whether you have lost it inside, not outside. My friends, that takes faith. I don't see how all those things I am eating or not eating, how that can provide that. But she said it will. And I paid her 79 bucks to find that out, too. <laughs> what did you know? And I'm just waiting to get back into that machine to see if it really was so. See, they can explain a lot of things about life but they cannot explain life. They can say what ingredients can go into this to give you health, but they cannot explain health. See, man was not born without reason, reasoning capacity. And God has made a universe that could be could be seen with the naked eyes, but can only be understood by faith. Because faith gives us not only the ingredients that we need to live, but faith tells us who made the ingredients. Science can tell us about Grandma's cake, but science cannot tell us why Grandma made that cake. Only Grandma can tell you that. God made the universe, the world, in all its complexities, and then he says, by faith you will understand it. So I, I do not leave my, my reasoning capacity at Calvary when I become a Christian. I develop my mind. And the more my mind is developed with the fact of Scripture, the more I understand the world in which I live the more I will. It educates our reasoning about God. I can say more about that. So in the biblical purview, faith and revelation belongs together and revelation is inevitably involving the, the recipient having faith. And so Paul said in this life, we have faith. And then he says there's the ecstasy of hope. In this life we have hope. Now abide faith and hope. But hope goes beyond time. I can understand that we are still going to grasp for things in heaven because we're still creatures. And creatures always grasp. And faith is going to give me the ability to understand how to grasp for those things. But now hope in heaven, if hope is, is, is fulfilled when Christ comes, what will be the necessity of hope in heaven? See, what we hope for here, what we hope for here, we do not yet see. What we hope for here is still ahead of us. But my friends, 
hope in heaven will be based upon experience in heaven. We will begin to anticipate the glories. Now, not only will we, will we anticipate them from the standpoint of faith, believing that they exist, but what hope is going to do, hope will be built upon fulfilled promises of God on earth so that in heaven, now I begin to anticipate. I see God in this way. In eternity, I will get to go more and more and more. And hope is going to anticipate more of God based upon experience with God so that when I experience God here, and I experience God there. There'll be two different kinds of hope, anticipation. Because in heaven, when I anticipate, it will be based upon that which I have already experienced. I wonder what God is like. Here I wonder what God is like. In heaven I want to ask that question. Because in heaven, my friends, I would have known what God is like. And I will see God in heaven in a way, as a creature, that will say, is there more? Is there more? And hope is going to say, infinitely more. Infinitely more. You know, I always go back, and I will be brief here. Uh, tell you the story when Lois and I were getting married. A friend of mine uh, came into the room where I was and said, Winston, I just got word from Lois that she has decided to call it off. <laughs> and I, I looked into my friend's face and I said, not on your life. How could I be sure that she didn't call it off? Because she gave me her word. My friends, what, what hope is like is such that God has promised to you and me things we have not yet even started to imagine. He has blessed us with every blessings in heavenly places in Christ, in heavenly places, so that, that when I get to heaven, I will begin a new journey of hope. Here, hope becomes attractive because people see how I live in the midst of trials and temptations, and disappointments, and people see that I continue to, to stand strong. Peter says that in 1 Peter 3.15, sanctify Christ in your heart and be ready to give a person the answer for the reason for your hope. See, when I answer someone for the reason for my hope in the future, I look back upon what Christ has done. But in heaven I will not be looking back. In heaven, I would just, nobody will ask the reason for the hope in heaven because everyone who is there will have this kind of a hope with me as well. 
and we will grasp together, long for together. We will anticipate together. We will live with a sense of tiptoeing to see what is the next revelation of God of himself in heaven. When we pray, thy will be done on earth in heaven, my friends, some of those things have not yet been fulfilled on earth. They will be fulfilled in heaven. We can hope. Let me close quickly with the excellence of love. There's more about hope, but my time is just about gone. The excellence of love. The excellence of love. In this life, there are three lasting qualities, says J.B. Phillips. Faith and hope and love. King James, now abideth. Faith and hope and love continues. But, says St. Paul, the greatest of these is love. We've got to ask ourselves, what is the meaning of greatest? There are two Greek words used for great in the Bible. One of them is where we get our word, our English transliteration of the word mega. When we say something is mega, we're talking about the size of it. But the next word that is used here for greatest is a word that does not speak simply of quantity, but character, our nature. It is greater because of what it is. Let me illustrate this for you. The Bible nowhere says God is faith. The Bible nowhere says God is hope, but the Bible says God is love. That's why it's greatest. When we say that God is love, we're saying that the nature of God is love. And because of everything else, see, faith and love are qualities that human beings need. Love is what God is. So that long before there was faith, and long before there was hope, that is, long before there were human beings, love existed. And so, what is the ministry of love? Jesus in John chapter 17, 24 said this, Father, I would, I ask that those whom you have given me that they be with me where I am, that they might see your glory because you loved me before the world was. Listen, friends. In heaven, love is expressed in a way, not because of a need. God so loved the world that he gave his son. We needed that. God loves his son not because there was a need in the son. God loves the son because at the height of existence, at the height of existence, the operation is always love. And Jesus is praying that you and I will be with him in heaven where faith will anticipate seeing what he has never seen before. Hope will continue to look forward to what it has seen and beyond. 
And we will see love exercised between the Father and the Son that will thrill our existence beyond what we know now. Not until we get to glory will we see the true essence, nature, and character of love. And that's why love is greater. That's why love is the greatest. Because in heaven, God is going to so love us. Please listen. That you and I are going to feast on the love that God has for his son. That's what you and I will feed on. And so this communion Sunday, we don't look simply backwards. We look forward. But we don't simply look forward. We look to beyond forward. Faith and hope will continue. But they will exist in the ocean of love. And you and I, will be privileged to watch it, to long for it, to praise God for it, because Jesus did the groundwork that you and I might enjoy those blessings promised in Ephesians 1 for all eternity. Let's pray. Our Father, oh God, I pray that no human element entered into the presentation of your word that the Spirit of God will do for the spirit of man and woman, boy and girl this morning who knows Jesus, who know Jesus, that he will do for them what only he alone can do as we remind ourselves through our closing song that there is a Redeemer. God is faithful who has called us into fellowship with his Son, Oh God, may we enjoy that now and anticipate it beyond time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.